fellow supermom, I'm glad you're here. This is the special needs supermom podcast. The glass of wine for your mind. Your tribe where you can relax, unwind and get stronger and more confident about your superpowers. I'm Nadine Villeur, your host, supermom of an autistic wonderboy and a supergirl battling juvenile arthritis. All while being a military spouse and international entrepreneur. Enjoy your glass of wine. Hello fellow supermoms, Nadine here. You're about to hear the second part of my interview with Hillary. On the first part we talked about dyslexia and challenges in general and how there might be something else going on besides, well, you know, just dyslexia like, you know, uh, ADHD or uh, a language comprehension disorder, something like that. This coming episode you're about to hear is more focused about what kind of help is out there for uh, the military so when you're active duty or maybe even retired so i hope you enjoy this episode and feel free to reach out if you have any questions uh, to me or hillary we're both uh, always available for you so i hope you enjoy this show bye what you and i have in common is um I was married to someone who served in the Coast Guard for 12 years. So I've been connected to the military for 20 plus years. And I spent my summers in Coronado, which is a huge military town. And the blessing of being connected to the military and the active duty community is you learn really fast how to adapt and change your friends come and go, but they come back, you know, they go and they come back. And I think that created a lot of resilience in my child that your typical child who gets to go to the same school forever and doesn't have any change doesn't learn to deal with where we used to live coronado california is a huge navy town that's where the navy seals are and so there's a lot of money that gets put into that school district from the department of defense for counseling and intervention and school lunches and stuff like that in order to build that resilience specifically because there's so many special operations people in that area and those families in general have you know high tragedy death injury rates and so there's a lot of trauma that happens to those kids because of that and so that's part of why so much money gets put into that particular area is because the numbers of people that are injured are very high around special operations so some of those things were a blessing to my child yeah. because dad just retired at the end of last year after doing 22 years. So even though I haven't been married to him for five plus years, I was still connected to the military fam- you know, community. Yeah. A lot of my friends are still in the military community. Yeah, and you do still do a lot because you kind of have to, if you need help with dyslexia, Ladies, this is the girl you need to reach out to because Hillary, you, you know a lot. You, you have your own website and, and Facebook group, but you also do a lot, uh, you know, uh, for the military. Can you kind of briefly, because I think we're already talking for another 45 minutes already. Can, can you kind of tell what you do uh, for the dyslexia community, really? So before I moved to Georgia, I was super connected to the military, but I wasn't really that involved with the dyslexia community. And until I had to have my own fight, I was kind of mind blown about what was happening. 
like you were talking about before, military families move a lot. Yeah. And where we live down in Warner Robins, Georgia, is the largest industrial complex in the state of Georgia. They have a longer runway than Atlanta's airport. Wow. So there's a huge population yeah. of Air Force and you know some of the other services, mostly Air Force. And most of the people that I started helping in this um, county were military people. And after spending almost 20 years connected to the military, I have a soft spot for military people, one, because amongst the enlisted population and whichever service you're talking about, most of those people do not have a lot of extra disposable income. No. And so pretty soon after I was introduced to the whole dyslexia fight, I found out about a group called Decoding Dyslexia Military. So Decoding Dyslexia as a big organization is basically the grassroots organization that was started by the International Dyslexia Association. Yeah. So in America, almost all the states have a decoding dyslexia chapter. And then there is one specifically for the military that has about 600 active people involved in it. So that's 600 people either in America or on US bases all over the world that have a dyslexic child. So I got introduced to that group and because I quickly navigated the system because of my family history and my paralegal degree, I just started helping other people because I sat here and I was like, this is ridiculous that like nobody's getting help. They keep getting told the wrong information. They don't know what to do. So I got involved with that organization. I started um, a group called Warrior Parents of Dyslexics, which now is basically significantly niche down. I help active duty or retired people who have children who have dyslexia specifically. I don't get in the weeds of anything that's not tied to dyslexia. So yeah. I don't know. I know about autism as it relates to dyslexia or ADHD as it relates to dyslexia, but in general, special ed is so large that I just stick to what I know, which is dyslexia and anything related to it. And then about when was it about a year and a half ago, I was introduced to a group called Partners in Promise, which is now a nonprofit 501c3. And last year, they helped get some language in the 2021 National Defense Authorization Act to overhaul what's called the Exceptional Family Member Program or Special Needs Program yeah. for all the DOD. So they got some language in there to try to streamline that and they got half of what they tried to accomplish last year. So part of that was a Navy pilot program for special education attorneys. So the Navy, the Navy specifically alone is running a pilot program on the West Coast in San Diego and then in Norfolk. There's one special ed attorney on each coast and then one advocate on each coast and then they have a support staff but that is just for the Navy and it's just in those two regions because this group made so much noise about how many people were struggling and how many active duty parents were going to IEP meetings alone, how many people were losing their IEP or having their services entirely changed when they left, whether it was state to state or from a district to another district, the theme across the board was usually that the IEP was dramatically different than it yeah. was before. So I got involved with that because I felt like I had a lot of talents from 
how I was raised and then, you know, from being a paralegal. And I just kind of thought a lot of it was disgusting, you know, that military people were sacrificing so much. They didn't make a lot of extra money and people weren't telling them how to get help. Yeah. So in the show notes, I will, you know, list all your details because, you know, especially, you know, in the States and military, <laughs> you need Hillary on your side. <laughs> if you need help, she can help you out. Uh, is there, to kind of wrap it up, what's the one tip you would advise special needs moms if they have a kid uh, that's dyslexic? One tip. <laughs> I would say that well, I'm going to give my tip about dyslexia because that's what I talk about. That's what I deal with. Early intervention is key. Like yeah. we tell parents that you can't be diagnosed with dyslexia until you're eight. And that's not true. That's an old myth. That's a bunch of bad information repeated over and over. We know it's possible to diagnose somebody with dyslexia around four or five with yeah. a properly trained neuropsychologist or child psychologist. So if you're active duty and you think something is wrong with your child, go to your pediatrician if you have tri TRICARE Prime and ask for a referral to a child psychologist or a neuropsychologist and get your child properly evaluated. Yeah. You know, there are two ways you get evaluated. One's from school, which doesn't give you a diagnosis, and one's medical from TRICARE, which gets you a diagnosis. I'm going to argue that you should go the medical route because we know when you want services from TRICARE, you're not getting anything if you don't have a diagnosis. And that's, you know, kind of my advice. I think a lot of people think that one um, label like ADHD explains everything that's going on with your child and the stats behind people that have ADHD who have multiple diagnoses is, is super high. Yeah. Nobody's just ADHD. Nobody's just dyslexic. The genes that cause those things are also causing multiple other things. So I would say get a proper inner, you know, testing from someone who has a PhD and a lot of experience and keep fighting because if you're the, the, the loudest person at the table yeah. and, you know, you're only going to get of reaction based on what you know. So yeah. if you don't know anything, you're not going to get much back. Yeah, and it, what you said, the, the, the early in, intervention, because we moved countries, you know, we had so many problems because first it was like, oh, she doesn't know the language that well, that's probably the problem. And it took about a year before they were like, well, maybe it's not like that a year and then we moved back to the Netherlands and there were and we had dyslexia statement and everything and they were like yes but that was in America seriously <laughs> dyslexia works differently in the Netherlands and we had to wait another year just because we had to have three state tests that were failed miserably really you have to not if you do okay you don't even get the chance to get evaluated uh, through school at least uh, but you have to have three really badly failed state tests, like getting an F or something like that. And then they go and send you for evaluation and it's taking in you. Now, I think we're, we, we, we lost like three or four years. And because of that, your kid gets older and is now not accepting help because, you know, 
it's well, in America, it, it gets it gets them. harder. You know, I think it it gets harder to you know accept help. Uh, you know, when you get older, because you don't want to stand out. And if you're if you're getting extra help early age on, that's just it's normal. You don't know any better. So, yeah, the the early intervention is, you know, if you like. Don't just accept what the school says. Oh, well, this is normal and this is the typical route. Well, every kid is different. So don't accept that for an answer, I, I would say. <laughs> well, and in the military in general, because the hierarchy of the military creates this, I don't know, thinking that the person in authority knows everything and that's not always true. They might... You know, there's a lot of people in authority in any kind of industry that have bad information or old information that don't stay mm -hmm. up. But amongst the military population, I think a lot of people are afraid to push back at school because they think they're an authority or yeah. a lot of people because they move so much. There's a huge population of people that do homeschooling for dyslexia and they do it themselves because they keep moving so much. They're yeah. tired of the fight and that's obviously an option for some people but I think what you were talking about in the U.S. we call that the, the discrepancy model but we'd be here for hours talking about what 50 <laughs> states do as far as eligibility for SLD and dyslexia because it's like way super complicated it's probably yeah. the most complicated eligibility out of all yeah like, 13 of them at least in America yeah and and, and that but I that's why I think an advocate is so important, you know, especially if you're moving to another state, get somebody that knows all the facts and knows what you're entitled to. Uh, to well, and for people that are active duty, what is not getting passed down from the top to the bottom yeah. is that the one, the DOD is now calling every special needs, special ed, whatever name it used to have program. Those are all called the exceptional family member program. So under every service, you're mandated by DOD regulation to register for the EFMP program, yeah. which is supposed to prevent you from going to places that do not have services to accommodate your child. Like for example, Germany, Japan, Korea, where there's just not a lot of specialized trained teachers. Yeah. But what people in the active duty community don't realize is how much information there is out there there's a lot of organizations that do a lot of stuff for active duty but you have to be looking for it like this whole old mentality that the school liaison officer is the be-all end-all no. is not that's not where <laughs> I would go I mean my number one tip to people I know you have a lot of active duty people in your community is that you need to register for the EFMP program. There's supposedly only 160,000 people in America registered for the program. And there's no way that that accounts for how many people have an IEP with an active duty parent in America. That's just not a high enough number. But if people don't register and they don't go to their branch specific EFMP coordinator and make them aware of the problem, then groups like Partners and Promise don't have the data to support why it's a problem. Like yeah. we can keep yelling, it's a problem, it's a problem. But if people aren't reporting it and creating a paper trail about they're not getting yeah. help and that they lost all their services and stuff, then nothing's going to change. I think that's such a good remark to make because I had a 
conversation the other day uh, with somebody also in the uh, active military community that, you know, are afraid to speak out and register at AFMP because they would think it would affect the chances of the husband or, you know, getting, uh, uh, being allowed to go overseas, things like that. But like I said, if you, you don't, if the EFMP doesn't know, you can also, as a, a program, not say this is a serious problem here, or you, you see, we have so many kids, so we should do more, or have these kinds of programs or this kind of funding. Uh, so, uh, well, a lot of yeah. it's just bad rumors and bad information. Yeah. A lot of it comes from COs that tell people, oh, you don't need to register for EFMP if you're yeah. just ADHD and a 504, it's not a big deal. But then we find out you've been cut orders to Korea and your kid needs, you know, some accommodations that nobody over there knows how to provide. And you probably shouldn't be in Korea. That's no. a big problem in general is I, you know, everybody wants to serve, but then they want to serve from the plush locations. And yeah. maybe that's just not an option for your family or maybe you're going to have to privately subsidize it yeah. if you want to go to someplace like that. Yeah. Because, you know, I have, I've had friends that want to go to the Netherlands, but they don't speak Dutch and they have kids that have learning disabilities. And I'm like, well, that's going to be hard because you're going to have to go to an international school yeah. where it's taught in English and yeah. you afford to go to an international school. You definitely can't go to the Dutch school because now you have a learning disability. So they're going to put you in a different school system and you don't speak Dutch so yeah yeah and you know it is for you yeah the good thing to know about them is that I think everybody speaks English over here right. uh, uh, because you know all our programs are not subbed but we have subtitles uh, so right. and we get nowadays English at, at elementary school even as well but to a really boring level, I have to say, because my, my daughter came back second grade or the third grade in the Netherlands. One of the first days she said, we learned twinkle, twinkle, little star. How old do you think? <laughs> she was like, seriously, that's four. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, seriously. Uh, but uh, uh, as, as, there are even high schools in the Netherlands that only teach in English nowadays, not even international schools. So there are schools, but yeah, it is, well, that's really not if the best you, example. Yeah, and it, but it's still, if you need help, you know, always get an advocate or somebody that knows, of course, a little bit more about the country. But it's really useful that you know a bit about the language because in your home country, you know, if you have kids with disabilities, it's already a fight. And that won't change if you move to another country. You know, and especially if, no. your, kid is, if your kid is dyslexic, and they will maybe say, oh, maybe it's the language thing because they still have to learn the language. <laughs> I can tell you by experience, <laughs> that's not the case. And that should not be an excuse, really. So, um, well, a lot of Americans want to go to Germany, right? That's yeah. the largest locality that we have yeah. active duty personnel still. But Germany actually does a really fabulous job with dyslexia. And they, under German's federal law, have you know a dyslexia specialist in every school. But they're primarily teaching in German, right? Yes. So if yeah. you're not at the Dodea school, you're yeah. not necessarily going to get that kind of support. Maybe you find an English speaking tutor, 
I mean, with Zoom now, you could probably find a tutor remote, but while it's yeah. the question of can you survive all day yeah. without what you had yeah. in America? Because yeah. what you get in America is not the same at the day. No, no, because most of our, also our, our extra help is also outside of school because our schools are, of course, way smaller. You know, we don't have, our country is tiny, really. Uh, uh, we're like a fifth of the size of Kansas, but with 17 million people in it. So it's crowded. But uh, yeah, it is, oh, I, I lost my train of thought because I was like, oh, I should say this about, you know, education in the Netherlands. There are quite a lot of international schools in here. Uh, even more because there's quite an expat community, especially around the bigger cities. But yeah, you, you want to check it out. It cost, uh, when we moved to the States, my kids were five and seven at the time. And they already had English lessons before we moved, of course. But English one-on-one -on -one is different than suddenly being surrounded with people only speaking English. And it's good to know, it took my kids three months. So until fall break, we have a fall break in, in October always. Uh, and around that time, so it, they were fluent. I think their first real word was awesome because their neighbor kids kept yelling, awesome, it's awesome. But so they, yeah. So if they're ever worried about, you know, learning another language, because they're surrounded by only Dutch or, you know, in our case, it was only English. There was no escape route. Uh, well, immersion, I mean, I think what you're uh, saying is immersion is a good way to learn a language, yeah. but... It depends on how old you are, right? If you're in high school, it might be kind of difficult to yeah. make you become immersed. Yeah. You already have a processing problem. Yeah. 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 When you're older. But yeah. if you're five, let's yeah. dump you in kindergarten yeah. and see what happens. Yeah. But, uh, but in high school, we have now several high schools. I think most cities will have a high school. And a part of the lessons is only in English. Because we are in the Netherlands, we're so focused on, uh, you know, we're a trading nation. That's the only way we can survive because we are so tiny. Uh, You're small. So we're small. So language is a huge thing. So German, French, you know, most of us will learn several languages and forget that after high school <laughs> if you don't specialize. But most of us speak uh, two languages besides Dutch. So, um, well, that's but, the problem with America, right? There's not a lot of people that are multiple language oriented i mean i speak french but i look like i'm slow compared to my brother because he speaks four languages yeah. fluently and three or four other ones conversationally so you know you could dump him in some bizarre country that he's <laughs> never taken the language in and he would learn it that's just the way his brain is but yeah you know, in america because we don't push that it's difficult. No. I mean, there is a huge population of people that speak Spanish and English and yeah. Spanish or well, that, English well, and Chinese now. Yeah, but. yeah. but that, that makes sense, of course, speaking Spanish as a second language, yeah. at least in, in the States. So, uh, because I remember going to areas and they only spoke Spanish and I'm like, what? <laughs> but we have the, the same in the Netherlands. There are areas that they will have a really heavy dialect. And if you're not from around there, there's this. No way you can understand them. It's hilarious. But anyway, thank you so much for your time and telling us a bit about the system and what you can do and uh, what help 
is out there. Like I said before, uh, you know, super moms, if you're, you're interested uh, to learn a little bit more about Hillary and all the things going on and, and the services you can get, I will uh, have everything in the show notes so you can read that. Thanks so much, Hillary. I hope you will have a wonderful day and that the rain stops soon because I heard it is pouring over there. <laughs> yeah, we have now Georgia weather over here in the Netherlands, except we don't have air conditioning. So that's just great. <laughs> that's just terrible. Yeah, but, with no air conditioning. Yeah, yeah. I think most Americans are shocked when they, you know, travel through Europe and find out it's becoming more popular. Uh, uh, air conditioning because the summers are getting hotter, hotter. but uh, yeah we never needed to use it because if you only have like two maybe if you're lucky three and I wouldn't even say hot but warm weeks when I was a kid that, that, that was summer uh, but now some days you have weeks and weeks that's really hot so people get more air conditioning but our houses also all our houses are built of bricks so we don't have that fan system throughout our house that, you know, you can put an airco on. So uh, that's pretty funny. Um, I'm from Arizona, so we run air conditioning pretty much year round. Yes. But <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Um, like you have mentioned before, I do run a group called Warrior Parents of Dyslexics. And then I have a page that's the dyslexialife.com. Um, if you're active duty and you need help, you can reach out to Partners in Promise or Decoding Dyslexia Military for anyone who's got a kid that's dyslexic. And I answer emails and DMs and pings and whatever from people all over the world. So if you want to send me a message whenever you want and ask me whatever, I don't know that I know the answer always, but I usually can find somebody who does know the answer. Feel free to do that. Well, but thank, thank you again for having you. me in. I love your show. It's awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye. This was today's episode of the Special Needs Superman podcast. Enjoyed your mental glass of wine? If so, please subscribe, rate and review the show and recommend the podcast to other special needs supermoms you know could use that mental glass of wine as well. Until next time, fellow supermoms. Cheers. Nadine.